right, if you have a Bible, turn to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, right? Hebrews chapter 11. And, you know, I, I, we have been just over the last, I don't know, the last few weeks, um, we, we finished Romans. We, we took a long time and just went verse by verse through Romans. And when we finished, the last few weeks, we've just been doing a couple of things. We've been talking about faith. And what does it mean? And, I, you know, it's one of those things that I would really encourage you. I'm going to give you a little bit of what we've talked about. But I really encourage you to go back and listen to some of the things we've talked about just over the last two or three weeks because I'm just so wanting people to understand this thing called faith. You know, because what people look at what, say, faith is today, in reality is not what we would call, what we would call faith or what the Bible would call faith. You know, a lot of people think of it as, well, you just got to believe, you just got to believe, as if, if, if you believe it hard enough, that's going to make it true or make it happen. And that's just not the truth. You can believe something, you can believe something and just believe it, you know, and if it's not true, then then your, your faith is actually detrimental to you. Faith is not positive or negative. Faith is whatever the object of your faith is, it's got to be positive or negative. In fact, faith can be damaging to you if you put your faith in the wrong thing, right? So, but faith, as the scripture says, faith in the truth can have huge impact. Like the scripture talks about it, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free if you put your faith in truth, if you put your faith and trust in it. So faith then and of itself is all about knowing, understanding, right? You have to have knowledge. You can't trust something you don't know. In fact, I would never encourage anyone to put their faith and trust in blindly. It's, it's a dangerous thing. So then faith is something that is, that is understood by knowledge. And like my own father, I shared this a couple of weeks ago, my own father, I, I lost him in, in March, but, but I, I, my dad was a great dad. Martha and I just this past week were talking a few things about him and he was just a kind heart. He wasn't kind when I was young, but he became a very kind, very kind hearted guy. And, um, but he just, he was, he was Mr. Conscientious. He was very quiet, very shy, introvert, very much introverted, but there was something he just was, he, he, he worked hard. And, but if you were to come to me, you know, a long time ago and say, you know, Jeff, your dad, I, we're just having a hard time. He's not showing up on time. He's lazy. I'm like, you know, I would say this to you. I would say, you're not talking about my dad. You got him mixed up with someone else. Why? Because I know him. The guy's never been late a day in his life. And he drove us all nuts getting there on time. Right. Right. And, and the guy was tireless worker, right? Why? Because I, I know him. Listen, the reason you trust is because you know, right? In fact, some people you don't trust because you know. Anybody know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, you know, trust is one of those things that you learn. So therefore, it's not, as I've loved to say, it's not about religiously conjuring up the faith inside of you. No, it's getting to know the God who created you. The scriptures teach all about him and then walking in the truth of what you know about him. And then the longer you walk, the more you learn he's trustworthy. And then when you learn he's trustworthy, then faith becomes a way of life. It is because it is not some superstitious hocus pocus that you try to dream up in your own, inside of your own self. 
This is what we've been talking about over the past weeks. And that's as much as I can do, right? That's as much as I can go through of what we've already talked about. But I would encourage you to do it because what you hear about faith in our culture, you know, our culture knows that faith is important and that we all live by faith. But it's what the faith is in. That becomes, and our culture is trying to do away with the concept of truth, right? At least a lot in higher education. You know, there's no such thing as absolute truth, you know, truth changes. And, and, but when you don't have truth, faith is going to be a hard thing. Because if you don't have something that's solid, faith will always be a problem, right? So today, today, today's what we're going we're gonna to talk about this type, this subject, trusting God with your decisions. And I wanted to end here with this thought. It's in Hebrews chapter 11. And, and decisions are, are, are paramount to who you are. I, you are your decisions. You know, a lot of decisions you make are not hugely critical, right? A lot of you are already thinking about where we're going to eat lunch after today, right? That's a decision you're going to make, okay, and there's not a whole lot that goes with that. But if you make too many decisions, bad decisions about where you're going to go eat, then your belt size gets bigger, right? But other than that, okay, that's not a critical decision, but God, some decisions you make in your life, I mean, they alter your course. They change who you are, right? And the problem that happens is, is that the younger you are, the more those decisions you make, right? And um, I don't know about some of you that are older, you know, like me, maybe. You know, I wish, I, I wish I'd have been older when I had to make those decisions. I wish I'd have learned, but that's how, you, that's how you grow. You learn. I tell you, I've learned a whole lot more by the bad decisions than the good ones. See, the great thing about being a believer in Christ, the scripture teaches that when we've made a bad decision, that we can backtrack and make a different one. You know what the Bible calls that? Anybody know? Repentance, right? Repentance, changing, right? It is God's grace. That's exactly right. But the grace is that he gives us the chance to change. The word repentance is not a religious word. It's a normal word that just means to change your mind. In other words, I've made this decision. I'm going down the wrong road. Okay, I've learned, okay, this is not it. This is not who I am. This is not even who I want to be. I'm going to change that road. That's called repentance. Don't get all hung up on religious words and what people, how people use them. They're just, they're just honest words that are amazing. Right? So I want you to see these decisions. In fact, there's an example of that. Chapter 11 is called the faith chapter. And it teaches, the whole chapter is about it, and it gives just a lot of illustrations. First few verses are teaching on, on faith, but the greater part of it is just illustrations. And it uses all kinds of illustrations about people and how they learn to trust God. And the one I want to talk to you about that really focuses on decisions is Moses, right? Moses. Now, Moses. Moses made a lot of decisions, but he, you know, the great thing I like about the scriptures is that the scripture, the heroes of the scriptures were not perfect people. In fact, and I want you to hear me today, all right? If you've made bad decisions, I hear you. In fact, some of us I've found who are the strongest believers are the ones who have made some of the worst decisions. I mean, seriously, it's the exact opposite of what you think. Oh, well, you've just lived a perfect life. I have not. And most of the stronger believers I know have not lived a perfect life. Because what happens is, is that believers are not perfect people, but they are people that God has allowed them to learn and learn to trust him. And as we learn to trust him, 
we start rocking the roads he's called us to walk because we've screwed up enough down the bad ones, right? That we said, okay, I'm not going there anymore. The definition of insanity, right? Traveling the same road over and over again, expecting it to end up different, right? So, so the ability to learn and to know the truth, right? And to follow it, to follow him, right? Because his word is truth. So it's, it's cool stuff. Okay, I gotta stop. I gotta stop. We gotta get back. That's what we've been talking about up till this point, all right? I love the concept because to me, I am, I am convinced, I am absolutely convinced that especially what a younger generation is being taught about what faith truly is, is not even close to what it is, right? But so much of it are choices that you make. And I do wanna tell you this, is that the choices that you make reflect where your faith is. Everybody has faith. Everybody lives by faith. It's like the joke I said last week, you know? You let your kids go out and ride those rides. Great is your faith, right? We live by it every, we live by it every day, right? And so the question is, where is it? And I have found that you can tell what, what people are counting on by the decisions that they make, right? If you're parents, I can tell a lot. In fact, it's quickest to tell where parents' faith is. Just take a look at how and what's important to them for their children because it comes out of a parent and into their children. What really is where their trust is, not what that comes out of their mouth. And that really drives the kids nuts. Then what you say is a priority for them is different than how you, how you act. Does that make sense? That makes sense, I know it does. So let's take a look then at just sheer decisions. Decisions that you and I make. Again, I want you to hear me. I'm not here to lambast blast you for bad decisions you've made. But I'm here to tell you that he's called us to follow him. And that means to make the decisions, obviously, that follow him. But if you start following him, if you really start living for him, you are going to be different. You are going to live different. The world around you will look at you as if you are very strange. It's one way you know you're following him, is you're labeled strange. Seriously, it's just the way it is. You'll see it when you take a look at this. There's only three or four verses here we're gonna talk about. So let's jump, let's jump into it and let's see what happened to Moses. Now, Moses, uh, this is not the part of the story you probably know and remember. This is not the Mount Sinai and the golden calf and the crossing the Red Sea and all of those things, all the plagues. This is long before that. And it talks about Moses and the faith he had earlier on. And, um, and when you look at it now, uh, how many of you, there may not be near as many in this service, but how many of you in here have seen the 10 commandments with Charlton Heston, all right? Raise your hand real high. All right, about half, all right? Throw everything out of what you know about the movie, all right? You do understand it's Hollywood, even though it's an old movie. Sometimes we think just because it's old, it has to be right. Not necessarily true, all right? Now, it's not a bad movie, it's a fun thing to watch, all right? But I want you to not get your information from a movie. That's what I'm talking about. So we're gonna stick here. And so what had happened was, is if you know the story, Moses' parents, uh, they were in time because obviously the Egyptians were growing scared of the Hebrews because the Hebrews were procreating at such a rate. And so they basically passed a law that, that all Hebrew, Jewish boys would be killed when they were born 
but the, the girls would be allowed to live. And so Moses' parents, you know, kind of hid him for a while. And then they made this, if you know the story, they made this little basket and just floated him out on the Nile. They just were not going to let the soldiers kill him. And so went out on the Nile and just so happened, right? This little basket uh, that was, you know, had to look like a little boat, right? A little, it was pitch. It told you how to make it in scriptures. And, and, it, and it came upon an, a place where Pharaoh's daughter was taking a bath. All right, I don't, all right, take bathing. And so she has her servants bring it up and they open it. And just as soon as she opens it, the baby cries. Well, you know how that works. Aw, you know, and so, and so Pharaoh's daughter kind of falls in love with this little baby and, and adopts him, okay? And names him Moses. That's how it all happened. And so Moses grew up, uh, he grew up, in luxury, you'd think, oh man, he went from a death sentence to being adopted, you know, into the royal family in Egypt, right? And so this became this picture, but I want you to see that the chapter 11 talks about trust and what, it, what, it, what that looks like. And so it gives us an account of what Moses did. So what happened? What happened? This is why I tell you to forget about what you've seen in the movie, right? Because that's not how it happened, right? A little bit of how to happen, but it had a whole, so much more to it. Anyway, so let's take a look at some of the decisions that Moses made. That is what's, what's recorded here in chapter 11. That's why I'm using it with decision. All right, number one, number one is the position, Moses' position, that he returned. Now, there are three things that our world, that is the world in which you and I live, Right? There are three things that they hold, that our world holds valuable. And they all begin with the letter P. Right? Position, pleasure, and possessions. Right? And I want you to look down here how all three are used, and there's a decision that's made. Now, God doesn't always do this, but in this particular case, it became a great picture. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 says, By faith. That is because Moses had come to know who God is and, who, and what he wanted for him. By faith, it says here, when he'd grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, he was prince of Egypt. All right? When your grandfather is the most powerful man in the world, that's better than your father being the most powerful man in the world. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, your granddad's a lot better than your dad, right, when it comes to that. So Moses has all this, but it says here he, he refused them. He renounced them, his titles. Why? To, be, to identify with the, with the nation of, you know, of Israel. Why, why would you do that? That's a dumb, dumb move, right? Why would you give up? such a position, because I want you to understand that Egypt at this particular time was the most powerful nation in the world by far. It was also the wealthiest nation in the world by far. It also was the most educated nation in the world at that time by far. So much of the wealth we read in the end of Genesis, when you understand the story of Joseph, when you're the only nation that has food for seven years, then all all of the world's wealth dump into one country. So that's why when you unearthed King Tut's you know, you know, tomb and some of these things in ancient Egypt, you see such opulent wealth. 
This is, this is what we're talking about. This is, this is who is Moses' grandfather. So why would you, why would you renounce that? Okay, it says here that Moses renounced it. Well, somewhere along the line, he came to know, number one, you would never renounce it, right? ever, unless you're his. That's why if you're, not, if you're not a believer today, you will never understand what I'm talking to you about. It just, you just can't see it. It's a hard thing to see, right? But if you're his, right? Moses knew that God had a plan for him. Now, he didn't know exactly what it was going to be, but he learned that he'd rather be a part of that plan than to be grandson of Pharaoh. See, our world would look at this and say, okay, you're giving up everything and you're gaining nothing. That's a world's perspective. Right? That's why they, they'll look at you, if you when you make some of the decisions, if you're in him, and they'll, they'll, they'll say, that's just dumb. Why would you do that? In other words, you, you give up everything and gain nothing. That's a world's perspective, but according to God's perspective, the spiritual perspective, you're giving up nothing and gaining everything. If you understand what I'm talking about. Because eventually, what was Moses going to do? Well, God was, he was going to be the deliverer. He, through him, God was going to deliver an entire nation from their slavery of which he'd have never done if he hadn't renounced his position. If God hadn't led him to renounce his position. I'm not saying that God leads everyone to renounce his position, but I will tell you this, if that's your goal in life, one of them, I wanna get, I wanna be here. And you're thinking you're gonna find what you're looking for in this life in a position, all right? You're not going to, we'll see it in just a minute. It's talking about decisions, it's talking about roads that you choose. Roads that you choose. This is, what this, is, this is what this is about, decisions that you make. Because guys, most of the time, when we're faced with a decision, we take a look at it and we weigh it out, right? This is what most people do when they make a decision, especially, especially if it's a big one. Now, if it's, again, if it's just a, if it's just a small one, you know, we make them every day just like that. But when they have weight to them, we begin to study them. And what we trust in will determine how we study, right? Now, I've learned this in doing this because obviously I've had lots of decisions and still have lots of decisions I make in my life. And I've learned this, that the, the most natural thing is to, is to do the pros and the cons, right? And well, what determines if it's a pro or con? What, you, what your faith and trust is, right? So if your goal is to get to some position, then it weighs into what is a pro and what's a con. Does that make sense? Hear me, just because when I'm saying a position, I'm not saying that's evil, but it is if that's what your faith and trust is in. It's an interesting thing because God gives positions to lots of people. He's gonna eventually give Moses an incredible position. But it was an amazing thing. He said, look, anyway, let's go. So we're, so we're sitting here. I have learned personally that when I come up on a major decision, Right? I've said this so many times when people ask me. I, I do the pro and con thing, I really do. But in the end, I throw it all in the trash. Because I have found that sometimes God wants you to make a decision that looks like it's nothing but cons. 
That's exactly what happened here with Moses, is it not? I mean, <laughs> prince, okay, here we go. Prince of Egypt are slave. Hmm. Pros and cons here. All right. Well, he didn't, you know, again, he hadn't read the later chapters. He doesn't know what's going to happen. He just knows this is the direction God called him. And he knew it, it was where it was. And so now you have a real decision between who God wants me to be or what this world says is important. And guys, there's where decisions are made. And what you trust in will make your decision for you. Right? What you trust in will make your decision for you. That's why those who are true followers of him, right? That's why you look a little strange when you start making decisions, right? Because you want to go his directions and they just, they look like the opposite of what you should take, right? Interesting. Interesting. Number two, not just the position that he, re he refused, but the, the pleasures he renounced, Let's listen, look at what he, what he was saying. Let's take a look at verse 24 again. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin. All right? The fleeting, excuse me, the fleeting pleasures of sin. I need you to leave that verse up there for a little bit. Okay, so he chose this. So there was a distinct... Okay, this is God's people. Okay, they're going through a rough stretch here. They're slaves. This is God's people. This is God's direction. This is, this is who he is. And Egypt represents everything that it's not who God's called you to be. And so you have this decision, right? Over here with Egypt, it looks a whole lot, whole lot more fun, right? Not only is he the prince of Egypt, but he could be the playboy prince of Egypt, right? He could do anything he wanted to. He, there was nothing that, that was not within his grasp that he could have if he wanted it. Why would you deny that? Well, it all depends on where your faith is. is your, if your faith is about you and about pleasing yourself and doing what you want to do, which is kind of the American way, to be honest with you, then you're, you're going to choose one over the other. And it will affect everything you are and everything you do for the rest of your life, unless you change course. Interesting, huh? I've told you before, right? The most miserable people that I know are those who are totally wrapped up in themselves and what's best for themselves. Nobody wants to be around them. Why? Because you get it, right? The most miserable children I've ever come in contact with are those whose parents give them anything they want anytime they want it. Why? God hadn't called, you, hadn't called us to live that way. And yet that's our culture. It's whatever it pleases me. It's whatever I want, right? Again, that affects everything about you, right? Now guys, I'm not, I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm really not. I'm just wanting you to see where you are and the decisions you make and why you make them, right? And what drives why you make them, right? But the pleasure one's a big one, right? Because Hmm, this is what makes me happy, right? But this is what I know I'm supposed to do, okay? All right, over here is corn chips and couch. <laughs> and over here is going out and jogging. Hmm, if you're smart enough, you learn over time. This one's more fun, but this is what you need to do. And guys, there are decisions like that all over your life. 
Sometimes we do well, sometimes we don't. But those who are his learn that sometimes the road that looks to be the worst one is the right one. That's why Jesus said, enter the what road? The narrow road. He said the, the broad one, the one everybody else goes down, that's the one that leads to destruction. Interesting, huh? Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy, it says here, fleeting pleasures. Guys, we know that one too, fleeting pleasures. It's not just pleasures. Nothing wrong with being pleased. There's nothing wrong with being happy. There's nothing wrong with those things. But what happens is when you run after them, they run away from you. And if you ever do get a taste of them, it's, it, it's never lasting. It's only temporary. That's why it's called the fleeting. The old King James says the pleasures of sin for a season. It only lasts a short time. All right, so let me tell you how it looks. When you swan, take a swan dive into self-pleasure, self-gratification, whatever you want to say, here's what happens. At first, it's pretty cool, right? Whatever, whatever your drug of choice is, right? And you kind of immerse yourself into it, and it's pretty cool. But to sustain the same feel-good, it takes more. And usually you get bored along the way. And so you have to change something up, do something different. And if, it, if it's this constant direction, it usually leads to this immense hole in your life that can't be filled with anything. It's the whole thing about appetites. The more you eat, the hungrier you get. Until pretty soon you just become one big bundle of want, right? That's what it says up here, the fleeting pleasures. Guys, that's the road, and, and if you're old enough or wise enough or both to understand what's at the end of that road, I can finally say, listen, I've been down that road before, and there's nothing there. Yeah, it gets a lot of advertisement, gets a lot of press. Everybody says, man, you can have this, 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 and this. But I've been down that road, and I'm not going down that road anymore. That's what the Bible calls repentance. I'm not going down that road anymore. I'm going to try this road. I'm going to be on the road, maybe the, perhaps that God called me to be down, right? And to go down. Interesting, huh? So this is what Moses, so somehow Moses knew the clear choices. He just wasn't some guy that was looking, you know, <laughs> pain. Where's the pain? I want the pain. That's, that's not what he's doing. But he sees the clear choices that he has, right? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Indeed, all who desire to live godly, or to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you're going to be persecuted, right? In other words, <laughs> the road that you take, that he's called you to take, will probably, will probably start tough, but it'll end well. But the world over here, the world's road, it always, it always starts great, but it ends terrible. So it becomes the choice that you make if you can see the choices. And usually those that can see it are those that are his. That makes sense, right? Now this is a, a great passage. You say, well, Jeff, how do you know which is the right way? Well, that's not your responsibility. If you're his, Psalm chapter 16, this is one of those verses to commit to memory and quote it to yourself, right? It's not your responsibility to know the path. It's his responsibility to share with the path. Your decision, your, your choice is your decision. What am I going to do once I find out? 
Because it says here, you, God, make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. In other words, knowing you is what's going to allow me to know the direction you've called me to go. All right? You make known to me the path of life. Your presence uh, there is fullness of joy at your right hand or pleasures forevermore. So it ends. It start, may start tough, but it's going to end with what you're looking for. This is the picture. This is who he's called us to be. This is what he is. Another verse that, that you probably know, it says, it says to trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean to your own what? Understanding. So in other words, oh yeah, but chips in the couch and the ice cream, let's, let's make it personal. And the ice cream, that's the direction you wanna go. Why? Cause it's fun. Yeah, but where does it end up, right? Yeah, over here, that's not great, but it ends really well. You know, Jim Elliott was a missionary of yesteryear, and he made a quote that doesn't get repeated as much anymore, but here's what he said. He's a missionary, and he was martyred by the people he was trying to share the gospel with. He was killed. And he said, I want you to hear this quote. It says, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Were you able to get that one? He is no fool to give up what he can't keep in the first place, to gain what he'll never lose. Amazing, huh? I can tell you what you're looking for, but it's down a road that doesn't seem like it would be the right road. That's why people who are, who are followers of him look strange and will always be strange to those around them. Because why would you give up the three piece? Why would you ever turn your back on the three piece? How would you say that's not what it, I'm, I'm looking for, right? It's interesting, right? In fact, it's amazing when you think about it, right? Number three, the possessions he refused, right? He considered, here we go, he considered the reproach of Christ's greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, right? In other words, I'd rather be, I'd rather be with him Right? I'd rather be with him than to have all that stuff. And, you know, when your grandfather is the absolute richest man in the world at the time, to turn your back on that means that that's not where my trust is. You got to know who he is, right? See, guys, I'm not saying that choose poverty. That's not what I'm saying, unless that's the direction God's saying to you. I know a lot of people who God's given a lot of resources to but he's given it to them for, for, not for their benefit, but for the kingdoms. How's God gonna call us to use the things he's put into our lives? All of our paths look different and he, he guides us different, different paths. But in Moses' particular case, God had called Moses to be the deliverer of a slave people. They were God's people, but they were still slave. And Moses had a lot of trust and faith to learn before he was gonna be able to do such an incredible job he was going to do. Are you willing to go down the road he's called you to go down in order to do what he's called you to do? If you're not willing to take the roads he's called you to take, then more than likely he's not gonna use you in the way he would use you. I've heard people say, but what would have Israel have done if, if, Moses, if Moses hadn't done what he did? Oh, well, God would have found someone else. Do you hear me? I mean, he'd have found another Moses. It's not about, 
oh, you're doing so. No, again, it's like I told you before, it's, it's, it's not great faith in God that matters. It's faith in a great God that matters, right? It's just learning to trust him. You don't even have to have great faith. Jesus told you that. What, grain of a mustard seed? That's all you need. Why? Because you have, it's a great God. This road is the, is the road you're looking for. But decisions you make and why you choose to go the way that you go. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean to your own understanding because if you lean to your own understanding, you're not gonna take that road. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Guys, I, this verse I probably use more personally than any other verse. I'll usually pray to myself, I'll usually say, Lord, I don't know what to do here. But if you'll make it clear, I promise I'll go the way you want me to. That's just acknowledging him. Does that make sense? It's just saying, Lord, I, I don't know what to do here, right? But I just want you to know I want to do what you want me to do. Because I have messed up so many times, okay, all right, driving my own boat. I, I, I don't want to do that again. I want what you want. Interesting, huh? In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll give you the right path. And he'll give you the right path. It may not be the path you necessarily want to go down, but it will be the right path, his path. And in the end, you'll like it, but it may, may not begin very well. Interesting, isn't it? All right. Number four, and this is where I'll close. All right. Verse 27, it says, by faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid okay, of making the king upset, angering the king. Why? Well, this, this king, I mean, he was the most powerful man, man in the world. But again, whenever you make a decision, okay, God, it was time to leave, all right? Whenever you make a decision, you make this thought, okay, do I make Pharaoh mad or do I make God mad? All right, if you put it that way, oh, okay, well, Pharaoh's just gonna have to be mad because he's in charge. God's in charge. So again, it, it's a no-brainer if, if, you, if, you, if you get all the players right and all the situation right. But if all you see is what's best for me and I'm looking out for me and I wanna do what I wanna do, then you'll always be blind to the path he's called you down. Does that make sense? So faith and the choices that you make, right? By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured right? As seeing him who is invisible. Therefore, he went through what he went through, the tough times that he went through, because the, he knew the one he was, he was serving. Because it was going to get worse before it got better. I mean, eventually he was going to go off, he was going to watch sheep for lots of years, and then he was going to come back, and everything was going to fall apart with the plagues. Just read the story. It was not an easy road. But in the end, it set an entire nation free that was in slavery. It was an incredible thing how God, the road that God chose to put Moses on. And it also wound up being a picture of who Christ is, right? We've talked about that before. So then it goes on in verse 28, talks about that he kept the Passover, right? Sprinkled the blood. You know, I want a story I will tell you. This, is come, this is a long time ago. This is back in the... 40s and 50s, there was a missionary couple over in Africa. And I just want to give you an example of this picture. Anyway, they've been over there 25 years, right? 
And that was back at a time when there wasn't a whole lot of communication, you know? Coming out of Africa, it'd be three and a half weeks for a letter to reach the States, right, kind of thing. And, but, but they were there and they'd, they'd invest their life and, and it took a long time, but eventually they started seeing God work uh, as the trust of the people, right? The African people in the particular country they were in, as a trust, they began to gain the trust of the people that they were actually there to help them and, and to share with them. And, and eventually things started really doing well. And, uh, but what happened was there was a company, an American company that wanted to come into the country, into the country. This is interesting. And as they wanted to come into the country, um, they were going to build a plant and they were going to use the locals for the labor. They were even going to build housing for the labor because it was a lot cheaper than it was in the States and in that kind of stuff. All right. I'm not saying I, I, I agree with all that, but I'm just saying this is what happened. So they thought about this big endeavor of going into this country and they said, we need somebody who will help us with the culture and everything else. Well, there's a missionary couple. They've been here 25 years. They're perfect. And so the CEO said, go offer him the job. And they went and offered him a job that was a great salary. And he, he said, no, thank you. Well, they came back to CEO. CEO said, well, just give him more money, all right? Why? Because all the CEO knows is that you can buy anything from anybody, right? And so he says, offer him more money. And so they did. And the guy, the missionary said, no, thank you. And the CEO finally looks and says, hey, give him whatever he wants. We need him. And so they went back and they offered him this exorbitant salary. I mean, more than he'd made it his entire life, he'd make in a year. And, and he said, no, thank you. And finally, the guy said, I can't go back to my boss with that, all right? All right, how much money is enough so that you'll take this job? And he said, no, no, you don't understand. He says, the money is plenty. He says, your job's not big enough. You see, he'd invested his life there and God had called him there. And was he gonna allow somebody to dangle a few dollars in front of his face, right? To get him away from what God had called him to do, right? So it's a powerful thing, but I tell you what, very few people, I don't say very few, but it takes somebody who's walked with the Lord a long time to be able to learn those things. And more than likely, you've made a lot of bad decisions before you start making the good ones. Does that make sense? That's how you learn. That's how you grow. You learn to trust him usually by, okay, I'm not going down that road anymore. Not that you guys are bad over here, but I'm not going down that road anymore. All right. Okay. I know what's at the end of that road. I'm not going there anymore. And Lord, with your help, I won't go down that road again. I want to go down the road you've called me to go down. And God, I'm going to need your strength to go down it. And you learn as you go. You learn as you go. That's what, it, that's what faith is. It's not some one of those, oh God, just give me faith. You know, and I, it's almost superstitious, the stuff you hear today. As if there's some magical faith zapper that zaps you with it. No, no, no. He's going to teach it to you. And you're going to learn to trust him when it doesn't make sense. You're not going to understand why the storm comes up on your boat. Right? And you look like it's, gonna, it's terrifying. But in the end, he'll show you why it happened and, and how you learned from it. I'll close with this. Philippians chapter one, you don't have to turn to it. There's a great passage that Paul talks about. All right. And I want you to think about this because this could be a great test for you if you want to take a look, honest look at yourself. There's one little verse in there that says, and I think I'll let you finish it, but I think most of you will know it. If you don't, you'll hear it around you. All right. Okay, for me... 
To live is Christ, and to die would be a gain. Okay, guys, the end of the road's there. Right? But here's the question I have for you. I want you to write your own verse. Personally, don't share it with anybody else. I don't want to know. For me to live is blank. For me. I want you to answer that personally. What is living to me? For me to live, Paul said for him, for me to live is Christ. Therefore, death's going to be a gain for me. So whatever happens, because in Philippians, he's in prison. He doesn't know if he's going to get out or get killed, but he's just saying, hey, listen, I'm, I'm good. All right, I've been on the road, and if this is how it ends, then death is, is, is better for me. All right? So for me to live, I want you to fill in the blank for you personally. And the way you can tell for me to live is, is by decisions you make. That's how you find out. But the problem is, I just don't want, I want this to sound bad, but for me to live is if it's anything of this world and anything that's temporary and anything that can be taken away from you, then death would be, is a loss, right? Because you can't take it with you. You know, it's like the old joke, how much did Rockefeller leave? All of it, right? All of it. Everybody leaves all of it. So for me to live, Paul says, is Christ. For death is a gain. Decisions that you make, decisions that you make. There's never been a time in your life you put your faith and trust in Christ for the first time. See, it's not just a one-time thing. It's a, it starts with faith, by grace through faith, but then it's, it's, you grow afterwards. But there's never been that time you've begun that journey. This is not about denominations or what it's, it's just what the gospel is. There will always be people down here afterwards that would love to talk with you. All right. God bless you. God bless you. Looking forward to, looking forward to a great, uh, a great uh, good time as we understand to be able to, to trust him and to grow in what that trust is. All right.